Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to The Inner Puzzle, a weekly podcast helping you put the pieces together to the beautiful puzzle that is your life. Featuring the stories of survivors to motivate and empower you through your own healing journey. Sharing resources and methods to help you get through life's darkest times. You can overcome your fears and heal your wounds. So they aren't passed down to your loved ones. And we're here to help. I am Paola Byron, four-time Emmy Award-winning journalist, executive producer, and host of this podcast. Let's begin. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right. So I wanted to start the show with my story. When did the podcast come about? Why did it start? And how a momentary pause was needed for me to be able to jumpstart this journey with you. The main thing here is accepting that I was no longer the same person I was before becoming a mom. So as most of you know, I'm a mom to a beautiful baby girl, but it did take me some time to understand that I needed to leave behind my old life 
and accept this new person I was becoming going into motherhood and even discovering. And it's funny because even though I'm discovering this new woman that I'm, I'm becoming, I'm also rediscovering the inner child that I have within me and the dreams that she aspired to go for and how when you're a kid, you just view the world so light and you're so curious and everything is so wonderful and you're grateful without even knowing that you're being grateful because it's subconsciously done. And so I'll get into that in a little bit, but going back to my childhood, I am a daughter of Cuban parents. My mom is a single mom. Um, she's raised three children on her own. Um, my siblings, they're older than me. Uh, I am the youngest. I'm the baby of the family. Well, I was. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> um, they all migrated from Cuba. And I was born two years after they got into the States. Most of my childhood was very much uh, spent in uh, moving from home to home. You know, we've lived in, I think in almost all places within the city of Hialeah, this little town in Miami, Florida. Um, and you know, and it's not something that I'm ashamed of at all. I think that if anything, it taught me that, well, it taught me many things and even most recently, but it taught me that my mom did her very best to make sure that we were always fed no matter where we were. And also the idea of adaptability, being able to succeed no matter where you go or where you come from. Anyway, my dad was very much absent during my life. And um, he reappeared a couple of times, specifically at the age of 11, 14, and then on my 16th birthday, which would be the last time I'd see him. The next time I'd hear about him was on one of the biggest auditions of my life. It was a day I prepared for months and months of training, of physical training, losing weight, getting fit, gaining confidence of even thinking about wearing a, a, a bathing suit in public, improving my Spanish for public speaking. This was an audition for a reality TV show for, um, it's like a beauty pageant but it was a reality uh, TV show where they were given challenges to complete on every episode or every show that they did. Well, you would do these things in front of a live audience, basically. And I was always, my mom and my sister and I always went to these shows. We were part of the audience. And eventually I thought I would love to be there if this is the pathway for it to open up my career opportunities and to be that public speaker or to be a host of my own show or even pursue acting, right? Which is something that I really, really wanted to do in the first place. Then I, I need to prepare myself to be a part of uh, this group. And so I needed to prepare myself for this audition. I was only 19. I was very much into singing and acting and dancing altogether this day was really big for me. And I remember waking up at three in the morning just to get up, just to kind of stretch a little bit. And then, you know, I, I went on to put on my makeup and getting dressed. And on the other side of Miami, my father had passed away unexpectedly. Um, he died, unfortunately, in a tragic car accident. And 
I didn't find out about this until the end of my day of this audition. So I did get to go through my audition. I did um, meet hundreds and hundreds of girls who were there pursuing the same dreams um, in different ways. And the production team had already known that my dad had passed away. Um, my mom was sleeping, obviously, because she had dropped me off at this audition. And it was very early in the morning. She went back home to sleep. And then she receives this call from my dad's stepfather, um, who we hadn't been in contact with for, I mean, I never, I had never met him before my dad's passing. And she receives this call and and he tells her, you know, um, Luli, I'm Luli. Uh, Luli's dad passed away, car accident. He died overnight um, at, at around three in the morning. And so to process this news at a day that's so big for her daughter, right? Because this was also a dream for my mom, was very hard to take in. And so before she could even process that information, you know, there were police officers at the front of my door knocking, looking for my dad's next of kin, which is me. And, you know, she had told them, listen, today is a very big day for her. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't have you show up at her audition to bring her these news. I'm going to break it down to her. I prefer giving her those news personally. I need her to get through this day. I'm here doing my auditions and this is exciting for me. I've prepared for this moment. I had already gone through my first round of the audition. They actually made me sing a cappella, which was very nice. And so um, they allowed me to pass to the second round and the second round was performing. And then the third round would be the the bathing suit section, which was for me the hardest. And so, yeah, and then I went through, then we had like a lunch break. I went outside and I saw my brother, my sister, and my mom. It's not that my brother isn't present in my life, but it was also, you know, random that he would be there. Um, because, I mean, he's a man, you know, he has his things, he does his job and he does whatever he needs to do. And, you know, this is such a girly event that I didn't expect him to be there, but I was happy he was there. I was like, wow, you guys are really here to support me. And my sister, I just looked at my sister and my sister was sobbing. And I was just like, what, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm just really proud of you. I didn't understand what was going on, but I was just like, wow, you know, that's huge and massive support from my family. And it means so much. And so, you know, my sister and my mom had always been, you know, at all of my activities from chorus to me being in the band, playing the clarinet to my graduations, uh, to all of my auditions, to all of my singing performances and even the bad ones and the good ones. My mom and my, my sister were always there. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about this time that I had to sing in Italian and I was so nervous. <laughs> I probably did not sing to the best of my abilities. That's all I can, can really say. But um, yeah, you know, it was just, it was kind of confusing. I was just like, well, you know, don't think too much into it. Maybe she's just really emotional, you know, and she is proud of you. So, you know, I, I just moved on and I went inside and uh, continued with my audition. They actually let me go through the audition rounds first, which I also thought was weird because I was like, I'm like number, I don't know. God, I don't even know the number, but it was like 5,000, whatever. And it's like, I'm not supposed to be number one. Anyway, I did my audition and 
that was great. I mean, I did the, the Cuban song uh, from the late Celia Cruz, Kimbara. Yeah, it was great. I uh, I loved that audition. I was full-blown dressed up in this Cuban outfit with a big bun and, and lot, you know, representing the colors of our flag. And I finished my audition. We went to Chili's. My mom and I always had this thing of going to Chili's and eating. And we talked about life there. We always drank some margaritas. That is obviously the reason why I love margaritas. <laughs> and, you know, I'm telling her, I, I aced this, uh, this interview. I aced this audition. I'm definitely going in. I'm definitely making it through. I'm positive that tomorrow they're going to call me up and they're going to tell me to go through the bathing suit round. When I had finished my audition, they did something else that caught me off guard was that they told me to go home immediately and that they would let me know tomorrow. And I said, okay, I didn't think too much of it, right? Like I was very oblivious throughout this whole process, which was interesting. Um, It was like I wasn't meant to know or understand what was happening from the get-go. And so when we're on our way home from Chili's, my mom in the car asked me, if something were to happen to me, will you continue to pursue your dreams? And I said, what do you mean? Do you have cancer? I mean, we're very blunt. So we, we ask questions very directly. And she said something like that. Your dad passed away this morning. He was in a car accident and he died instantly. And I remember sobbing. I mean, sobbing all the way home. And, you know, I cried myself to sleep that evening. And, you know, the next morning I I woke up really early and I put on my makeup and I put on my lashes. I was wearing these eye bags on my face. And I showed up at the hotel and I, I asked to see the production team. And I, I said, you know, I just really want to know if I made the audition. And they were like, no, you know, unfortunately... We decided not to go forward with the audition due to X, Y reasons. And, you know, and I'm pretty sure they didn't want to make my, my dad's passing a part of the reality TV show, because we all know that that's drama, right? That's emotion. It's going to definitely get to the audience, but they respected his passing, um, by not letting me in. But anyway, life had its way of working itself out. And I ended up actually working for the same company that hosted the show two years later. So, you know, I, my dad's passing, I just simply took that as a sign and I just continued my career in journalism. Had I been entered into this program or into this reality TV show, I would have had to stop right before my senior year. So I would not have graduated with my degree. Or maybe I would have done it, but just way later on in life. And to an extent, I am grateful that it allowed me the moment to really just take that in, take that experience in. And with the grief and the heavy heart that I had, I still had this drive to study. It's like studying for me or school. I can't stand it. I know it's it's ironic, but I can't stand homework. I have trauma with homework. I guess it's because I always used to do like AP classes. And then I had like nine, um, what do you call that? Periods, like courses throughout the, the whole lifetime I've been in school. Um, and then I had extracurricular activities and I was always in dance. I was in art class and I was in acting and 
uh, doing musical theater in the afternoons. And then I was in the dance team and then I did not stop. I was always constantly going. And I think I had burnout <laughs> by the time I was already like 17. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, I know that I, I don't like school, but I, I was good at it. I was good at um, studying and, and very determined and very organized. And I can focus on specific subjects and excel at it, especially if I dedicated, uh, dedicated my heart and soul and mind to that thing or that course or, or subject or whatnot. You know, I, I kind of went back to my comfort zone, uh, which was cool. And I focused on my career. While that was all happening at the same time, and yes, I was doing great at school. I was still doing, I was still earning honor roll uh, after my dad's passing, which was crazy because I was highly depressed and I was thin and I was very much isolated. I, I didn't want to be um, near anything that could possibly remind me of my dad. I was highly sensitive. And so I had this urge that I really wanted to leave. I was like, I really want to go. I really want to go. And I needed to take an internship for school. So then I said, okay, I'll jump into it. I applied to like Ohio, Kentucky, New York, Texas, everywhere, everywhere in the States. And I ended up uh, getting this opportunity in Washington, D.C. I ended up uh, getting accepted into this program. And I moved to DC. I lived there for three months. My mom and my sister supported me through that journey as well. It was very freeing being somewhere different, learning something new. It was exciting. I had to be independent, obviously, because now I'm a, I'm a grown woman, right? Working in the real life field of journalism and working with high executives and, and longtime TV producers and reporters and and correspondence. And I was working with these really highly experienced professionals and in the city of like the capital of the U S you know what I'm saying? So it was, it was pretty big a month before graduating. I get a call for, from this company, the company that I had worked for during this internship. And when I go in, I am sitting in the middle of what's the newsroom and then I'm waiting for the producer that I'm supposed to meet to be interviewed. And suddenly there's breaking news. Everybody's running around, screaming numbers of deaths. One, there's 10 dead. There's 15. They just found four bodies, you know, like that. It was chaotic. And it actually ended up being the Paris attacks that happened. It was one of the first um, highly known shootings that had happened um, at that time. And it was chaotic. I was also very confused. I didn't get hired by this company. I think with, with all this that was happening, um, the producer completely forgot. I ended up getting a call, another call from another company a week later. And when I go in, um, I'm seeing this big newsroom, beautiful, lots of lights in every corner, and um, it was very colorful. And I went in, and I sat down, and I didn't really have an interview. It was a pretty easy uh, survey, <laughs> I would say. 
Um, and I was hired. I was hired. I was in the field. I was officially pursuing my career as a journalist. But then fast forward about five years later, I got laid off from this company. And it's like, you know, I really thought I was going to retire from this company. Then came another shift. But, you know, on the plus side, I started to think about my dreams and I started to think about what is it that I really want to do in life? And then I went back to little me, that eight-year-old who would talk to herself (laughs) and her mom would think she was a bit insane, listening on the other side of the door, hearing her daughter talk to herself. I was practicing, guys. I was practicing. And so I thought about the inner puzzle. You know, I was talking to my my fiance at the time and I was like, I really want to do this. I want to... I want to share my story. I really want to share how other people overcome their circumstances. I know so many people who've been through so many difficult things. You know, obviously being in the field of journalism, you you meet other people who've also obviously been through very difficult circumstances. But there, you know, something about me that I also noticed that was like a no-no. I was always in touch with people who had been impacted by certain situations. And I was emotionally attached to these people because although I met them because of work and they were, you know, according to the company, they're just there for that interview or for that story in particular. I also was curious about seeing how they grew out of that um, grief or how they were able to break their molds, um, how they were able to advance without, um, looking back, you know, they were able to get through these difficult times. And I loved following up with those people and those stories. So I told my husband, I, well, my fiance at the time, I was like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I really connect with people. I'm curious about how they learn from all these things. And I really think they need a space to tell their stories because two minutes and not even two minutes, it's like 15 to 20 seconds of their stories in a package that goes on air for two minutes is not enough time to really share what they've been through. You know, I got laid off and I'm here creative and thinking about all these things that I want to do. And then I get hired in less than 24 hours. I also couldn't find myself to be in this position with no money, with no insurance, with no job, like that instability or the thought of instability drove me insane. And I think it has to do with, you know, seeing my mom struggle so much to make ends meet. My fiance and I actually found an apartment during this time and we got married a couple of months later and then we found out we were going to be parents. And him and I decided that where we were living was too small and thought it'd be better to move to a bigger place where Kaiser, our dog, baby, and us can live comfortably. I was worried about getting the baby shower ready um, and nursing the home a little bit. And then, and then my mom has to do surgery for her thyroids. And during her procedure, Right before they begin the procedure, she's on the operating table. She just stopped breathing. And 
this is two weeks before my baby shower. And I received this call from my sister um, while I was at work. And I'm heavy now, right? So, you know, I told my boss, I have to go. You know, my mom, she stopped breathing. She's in the ICU. Um, I'm like panicking. I'm starting to get emotional and I'm thinking the worst case scenario and I'm trying to get it all together. And, um, you know, the idea of losing another parent during a time that was so important, um, was quite, quite traumatic. Um, I can't even, um, describe the feeling of fear that went through my mind thinking, wow, I, I could possibly lose my mom right before I'm about to become one. So, you know, I'm grateful that we didn't lose her. She's fine. She loves her grandbaby, her grandbabies, my nephew and my, my daughter. And, um, she's alive and well, and thank God, you know, but that could have turned out so differently but that was the first of i guess traumatic events that happened during my pregnancy and towards the end right like i'm about to give birth to this beautiful baby and and then i go through this turbulent moments that i just i still couldn't grasp and understand why was it that i was being uh placed in these situations we end up doing the baby shower everything came out beautifully and not Long after the landlord of the property where we were living, she basically says, I'm going to need you guys to, I'm going to need you guys to move out. And we're just kind of like, what do you mean? We have a lease sign. You can't kick us out. And she's like, well, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be um, passing on the property to the next uh, landlord or owner of the house and the the lease will be standing you guys will be protected uh you won't need to move but the only thing that i i will need you guys to do is to show the property and the thing is is that we're in the middle of the pandemic i'm highly pregnant you know i'm huge at this point why would i allow strangers to be in our home and so this battle of back and forth and then the disrespect and the harassment on her end and just, it was constant. And I think that this, the stress really got to me. I was also without, um, insurance. I, I was a freelancer at the time at this job that I was working, um, in, and I didn't know if I was going to have insurance for the delivery. I didn't know if I was going to have, uh, be hired in time or if I was going to be able to work you know, if, if I'm off from working, will I get paid? You know, all these things come about. And then we have this woman trying to force us to show the property we were living in during the pandemic. You know, it was, it was wild. And, you know, my husband was also working the crazy schedule I was working because he's in the same field. You know, I talk about how we met and then I, actually I, I share that story in, an episode that's featured on the Boston Globe Love Letters with Meredith Goldstein. The episode is called New Crush Old Bones. But anyway, back to pregnant me. So, you know, this landlord is not nice, right? Just to put it kindly. You know, two, two, literally two months after just moving in, she wants us to, she wants to sell this house and really did not care that we have a newborn on the way. 
during this time, it was so crazy because I was having insomnia. You know, I was having dreams, heavy dreams of anxiety. And, you know, I'm not breathing right. I ha- I'm, you know, I'm having pains, back pains. Um, and I wasn't sleeping. I was not sleeping. And it's like, I'm supposed to be sleeping because when my, my daughter's born, I'm not going to sleep. And I couldn't sleep because I was worried that this lady would come in the middle of the night, like with an, with an eviction notice. And, you know, I would have to fight this woman, you know, pregnant and God knows where that's going to lead, you know? And so then I ended up having gestational hypertension. I also had anemia. I had very swollen feet. I was exhausted. I was driving to work every single day, um, working the weekends. I was tired. My body was tired. But before you knew it, baby girl arrived. And for a good two weeks, I did not have a care in the world. I always say this, Layla... My daughter was the sunlight beaming through the darkest part of the woods, a place where I even felt isolated and I felt unseen and I felt buried. But just in time, we had insurance to cover for our delivery. And this woman kind of stopped harassing us for about a month. And then we thought, you know, the landlord might change her mind, you know, we're okay, we're good. But she didn't. She started texting us and emailing us and calling us and she continued to harass us. And that also came with, um, threats via email and, you know, emails regarding maternity leave documents, bills piling up in the mailbox for medical expenses, postpartum recovery, which ain't easy. I'm learning how to breastfeed. I'm forgetting to eat (laughs) because (laughs) I have this newborn who I'm trying to figure out her schedule, who feeds every three hours. You know, I would forget to eat sometimes. Um, and really the only time that I would eat, would eat well, would be when my bre- my husband would make breakfast for me in the mornings. You know, it was really, really crazy. Um, and still I'm surprised. I even found happiness in the little moments um, during my postpartum recovery because there was so much happening at a time that I was supposed to be at peace and resting. Four months pass, and now I'm back to work, and separation anxiety is real. After giving birth, um, my husband, me, and my mom were trying to figure out a schedule that would work for all of us so that I didn't have to take our four-month-old baby to a daycare. And so one day I'm arriving home. And by this time, we've already decided because the harassment has gone to an extent that I no longer can handle it. And it's taken a toll on me. I, you know, my husband and I, we just decided, listen, we got to get out. We got to figure it out. We're going to, we're going to do this. We're just going to leave. We're going to see what we do next, but we're, we we have to leave. You know, if not, we're going to continue dealing with this battle. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm helping pack up some shoes underneath my bed and out of nowhere, I just sort of dropped to the floor. It's like my knees were weak. I was weak. Um, I just collapsed and I ended up facing up 
somehow. And as I look up, I'm not thinking. I sort of went blank without blacking out. It's like complete silence. I'm not hearing the TV. I'm not hearing anything, anything, anything. And yet I remember everything that was happening as I was on the floor. You know, my husband comes in, I guess, because he heard silence for so long. And he comes in and he's like, hey, if you're, if you're tired, you're sleepy, just go lay on the bed. And when I went to go speak, I had slurred speech. And then out of nowhere, my eyes are moving all over the place. My jaw is locked in. It's in pain. And from there, all I can really tell my husband is 911, baby, stroke. And he got it. He was freaking out. I can see the panic in his face. And he calls the ambulance. He dials 911. And they do this test to see if I'm experiencing a stroke. And my speech was so slurred that they brought in paramedics. And that was the first time I was in an ambulance. You know, and all this time, I'm just thinking, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to raise Layla. I'm not going to be able to be there for her. What am I going to do? You know, she's going to be growing up without a mom. All these things, all these thoughts just come into your mind at a time of, of, of fear. And, you know, next thing you know, I was entered into the MRI machine. I was a bit claustrophobic. But all I kept saying out loud was Layla. Slowly slurred. And you couldn't even understand what I was saying. But in my mind, I was saying it clearly. And I was listening to myself and I was just trying to push myself to say Layla. When they finished running the test, they placed me in a room and I was all by myself until my husband came in and he got me. And the doctors basically said my symptoms were very much real, but there are no signs of a stroke or epilepsy. That what I had was called a pseudo seizure and that I needed to follow up with a neurologist. So, you know, coming back from the hospital, we decided to leave the place where we were living and, you know, with our, our hearts broken, our spirits low with our newborn in our arms, we left. And the months to follow, we were sleeping in living room floors. Our baby slept in a, in a play bassinet at the crib she was gifted. We slept surrounded by trash bags filled with our clothes. Trash bags filled with our personal items like soap, toothbrushes. And now we really don't have any savings. And I'm a medical leave, so I wasn't even earning as consistently as I would be if I was working. During that medical leave, I actually experienced more pseudo seizures. I actually ended up staying at the hospital in February of that same year and ran some tests. And they're like, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing here that shows that you're experiencing a stroke. But, you know, I was like, I really need to figure this out. I really need to figure this out because I can't be having this. Like, I can't be having this, um, these episodes while raising my kid. I, I just can't do it, you know. So I wasn't getting any rest. Money wasn't coming in. It was very slow. My husband was working like crazy. I have a teething baby. I've lost my identity. I honestly felt there was no way out of this one. But after a month, we got lucky enough to move into something similar to a studio. 
um, at the back of my mom's house. And then I get a call that I have to go back to work. You know, that first week back, I was assigned <laughs> stories that were related to shootings and children. So I was sobbing at my desk. I told my my supervisor, I told my supervisor within two weeks of working there, I was like, this isn't it for me anymore. I gave my two weeks notice. You know, I felt like a total disappointment. How can you quit your job, your career? Like, what are you going to do without money? You're such a failure. You know, I kept thinking so badly of myself. I really wasn't easy on myself. Um, And then on that last Monday, I worked for the company. I got a call that my husband's car flipped. You know, I just really like, I just said, okay, the universe is telling me you got to go. It took time, but it was then that I finally understood home wasn't a house or a physical attainable thing. It wasn't work. It wasn't all the things that I had lost along the way. It was me. I needed to take care of my body, my temple. And then I got a glimpse during that time of my, my medical leave of what that healing process meant during all the chaos, during all the craziness, because no matter how many times I was knocked down, I had some fight in me to figure myself out, to try to heal, even if it was in bits. I learned to find inspiration in little things over time. You know, listen to podcasts of other inspiring humans like Brene Brown and Jay Shetty and I learned how to meditate with the videos posted on YouTube. It's like a series of meditation sessions with Corey Mascara. You know, I started to eat better. I entered this program from Beach Body on Demand, the four-week gut protocol. And I started reading more about organic foods and keeping my body balanced and my energies at ease since I was home all day long. And, you know, I, I did try my best to stay hydrated. I went outside. I felt the sun. And then I started to manifest all the things I really wanted and really began to be grateful for the simple things I had. I learned to be happy that I could tuck my baby in every night. And I was also grateful for my husband who was supportive, even if it meant carrying the majority of the load on his broken back. And I was grateful for our family who helped during our living situation. I finally understood that I wasn't being buried underground but being planted like a seed. I needed some watering, some sunlight. And eventually over time, I outgrew the pains, the struggles, the losses. I allowed myself to grieve the old person I was. I was allowed to feel whatever I needed to feel. And I finally let that go. I let go of that outdated version of myself who constantly bottled things up. You know, I embraced this new motherhood I was entering. I embraced the wounds that I had, warrior wounds. I survived. Before you knew it, I was able to press play to this project. I leave this episode with this message. No struggle is way too big for you to overcome. We all have a reason for and a reason to give to others. Time is of the essence. It matters how you spend it every second, every minute, every hour of your day. Love unconditionally. Love in great quantity. Don't spend any time on things that won't matter in the long run. And you can grieve someone or something you've lost, but don't dwell on it. Because the wind continues to travel. Know that your inner child would be proud of you and who you are today. And always remember... Your mind, soul, and body is a temple. And as Christian Cain would say, 
Sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. Do you want to know more about the resources we mentioned on this episode? Head on over to our show notes for more information. If you love this episode, share it with a friend and be sure to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you know someone with a story we should feature on The Inner Puzzle, send us a DM on Instagram at The Inner Puzzle. This has been a partnership with Leon Media Network. Until next time, keep moving the pieces to your inner puzzle. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.